Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for your presence with us, Lord. As we go to your word now, we pray uh, that you would help us to, um, to understand what you have revealed, that you would help us to um, believe it, that you would help us to love it, and that you would help us to apply it to our lives, and that we would do all of this uh, to your glory, Lord, as we seek to love you with all of our heart, and all of our soul, and all of our mind, and all of our strength. We love you, our God and our King. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're in a season of preparation and expectation, recognizing that if eternally significant things are going to happen among us, things that can't be explained by human effort and planning alone, that we're going to need God to do His work. That we're going to need God to do what only He can do. So we're spending our time on Sunday mornings remembering together who God has revealed himself to be in history and in Scripture. And we're doing so by, by, by studying some of the names uh, that God has revealed for himself in his word. The first week we looked at Elohim, the transcendent, personal creator of the universe. Do we stand in awe of the God who is? Are we in relationship with him as he desires? Do we believe that he can, in fact, whatever our circumstances, make something out of nothing? Last week we looked at Yahweh, the self-existent, unchanging, faithful God. With circumstances changing for us and around us constantly, it's not always easy for us to see the good. But do we trust that God is always good, that he never changes, that he never wavers, including in his disposition toward us. God will never say, I love you, my child, and then depart from me. He never changes, including in his disposition toward us. And do we believe that he always keeps his promises? It's important for us, if we're seeking to grow in our relationship with God, to approach him not as we tend to think of him or, or the expectations that we might have for him, but as he reveals himself to be in his word. Herman Bobbing told us that God is what he calls himself, and he calls himself what he is. And we want to know the God who is, and we want to believe more and more that he is who he says he is. Our God is Elohim. Our God is Yahweh. And our God is Adonai. I've lived almost all of my life in the South. And that means that I, I was rigorously trained that uh, when someone who is older than me asks me a question, my answer was not simply to be yes or no, but yes, ma'am, or no, sir. I was not to address adults by their first name, but always Mr. or Mrs. or by their title. And for our culture, this was a sign of respect, a way for us to honor our elders. In Old Testament Hebrew, uh, the root word for Adonai, Adon, was an honorific title uh, that was used to address people with respect. It means master or lord and we see adon used between human beings sarah called abraham her husband adon joshua called moses his leader and his mentor adon 
Servants called their masters Adon. And it is also used for the relationship between an owner and what he owns and rules over. Adon means the master of a house or property. But Adonai is used only in the scriptures for God. The suffix I makes the word plural, like Elohim is plural. And like Elohim, Adonai might hint at the truth that God is triune, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the main function of this suffix I is its emphasis. Some, call, some scholars call it the, the, uh, the, the plural of majesty. In R.C. Sproul, he wrote, I, that I intensifies the meaning of the word Adon, so that Adonai means the supreme Lord, the Lord of all. This word stresses the sovereignty of God as the all-ruler. That's what Adonai means. Adonai is the Lord, the Lord of all. And in seeking after the God who is, we're going to explore four implications of this name quickly as we can. Four implications of this name, Adonai. The first is Adonai rules everything that is. Adonai rules everything that is. Uh, if you have your Bible, you're going to, we're going to be in uh, several different scriptures, but we're going to start with Psalm 8, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. Psalm 8, 1 through 5. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Adonai rules everything that is. This psalm begins with, O Lord, our Lord. And as we mentioned last week, whenever we see uh, the word Lord written in all capital letters, the translators have replaced the name Yahweh with the word Adonai. So in, in English, in our English translations, we just get the same word twice printed differently. O Lord, our Lord. But what is actually here in the scriptures is, O Yahweh, our Adonai. O covenant God, our Lord and Master. O Yahweh, our covenant, self-existent, unchanging, faithful God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you are our Lord, our King, our owner, our master, our ruler. O Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name, where? In all the earth. You have set your glory, where? Above the heavens. Where is the Lord, Lord? Where is Yahweh, Adonai? Well, he's Lord in all the earth and through all the heavens, even to above the heavens. Where is God, the Lord? The scriptures say, everywhere. God is the Lord everywhere. Where does Adonai not rule? Nowhere. The entire universe and everything in it, small and large, seen and unseen, are ruled by Adonai. Tiny little babies, verse 2, are under his rule, and Adonai will ordain strength out of their mouths to defeat his enemies who are also under his rule. 
He rules the heavens, the sun, and the moon, and the stars. He has set them in place. And when we consider the enormity and the beauty of the universe, it makes us wonder, with David, who wrote this psalm, what are we that you are mindful of us? Who are we that you would care for us? Adonai is not just the ruler of the earth and the cosmos. He is our personal ruler also. And verse 5 helps us see this clearly. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Near the end of his novel, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, C.S. Lewis has his main characters, the four Pevensey children, who've been on this great adventure in the magical land of Narnia. And they're gathered together in the palace of Care Paravel before the citizens of this country. And the great lion, Aslan, the son of the emperor beyond the sea, the creator and ruler of that world, solemnly places crowns on their head. And he leads them to four thrones as the crowd cheers for King Peter the Magnificent and Queen Susan the Gentle and King Edmund the Just and Queen Lucy the Valiant. And as they sat, Aslan says, once a king or queen in Narnia, always a king or queen. Bear it well, sons of Adam. Bear it well, daughters of Eve. These four children were not self-appointed rulers. They had to be crowned by a greater ruler, a higher authority. And the psalmist is seeking, he's asking a rhetorical question here. What are human beings that God cares for them? And he answers, we are the bearers of his image with all of the glory and the honor that accompanies it. And we have been crowned by a higher king. We've been crowned by Adonai, and only he has the right to do so because he is Lord. Adonai rules all of creation. A theologian and prime minister of the Netherlands, Abraham Kuyper, wrote this, There is not a square inch in the whole of creation over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. See his glory in creation and praise him for it. Steward God's creation and thank him for it. Find security in his sovereign rule over creation, even when he allows natural disasters and difficulties and diseases. Two catechism questions help me remember that Jesus is Lord and that he rules all, even when circumstances are not what I would want them to be. Westminster Shorter Catechism, verse, uh, uh, question 11 says this, God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. And as we uh, recited together and hopefully memorized over, over the course of our series on belonging to Christ in Colossians, Heidelberg Catechism number one says this, He watches over me in such a way that not a, head, a hair can fall from my head apart from the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation because I'm not my own. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Adonai rules you. Who is the rightful Lord of your life? So often we live as if we are our own rulers. Our choices and priorities and lifestyles and vocabulary and relationships, our time. 
These indicate that we bow the knee to Adonai, our God and King. Do they show that we are not our own, but belong body and soul to him? Well, this brings us to our next truth. Adonai rules everything that is, but Adonai also owns everything you have. Adonai owns everything that you have. And we see that in the last part of this psalm. You have given him, that's humankind, dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the birds of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Yahweh Adonai, who rules everything that is, has delegated his dominion over creation to you and me. And he invites us to partner with him in ruling over his creation as Aslan invited the Pevensey children to partner with him in his rule over Narnia, delegating his authority to them as kings and queens. And the Lord entrusts us with the stewardship of everything that he gives, which is an opportunity to show in real time with real stuff that he is Lord. So if someone was to, to look at your life did you really give a full audit of, of your life? Would they conclude that God owns everything that you have? Your body, your mind, your person, your time, your family, your money, your home your stuff, your relationships, your church. I think it'd be good for us, before someone else looks at our lives, to consider today whether or not an outside observer looking at our lives would see in our priorities and in our choices and in our lifestyles and the way that we use everything that we have would they conclude that God is the owner of it all because we live as if God was the owner of it all? How does your relationship to any or all of these things need to change in light of the fact that they belong ultimately to Adonai and not to you? How can you take one step in each of these areas that demonstrates that you don't own it? God does. Adonai rules everything that is. Adonai owns everything that you have. Third, Adonai provides everything that you need. Adonai provides everything that you need. And uh, I was going to take you to three passages in the Old Testament, but since we're running out of time, I I'm just going to summarize these three instances in the Old Testament that show that Adonai provides everything that we need. The first is Abraham. The one to whom God came and said, I'm going to be your God and to your children after you, and you're going to be my people. I'm going to bless you and make you into a great nation, and in you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed, and I'm going to start by giving you a son. Now at this point, Abraham is quite old, and so is his wife, and they don't have any children. And Abraham says, Lord, how, how am I going to be able to have children? Look, I, I've already got this, this, this other guy who's a servant in my house. I'm just going to make him my heir, and you can work through him. He doesn't believe that God is the Lord of all who can provide everything that he needs. And the Lord reaffirms to Abraham, no, no, no. 
I'm going to give you a son. And it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And the Lord kept his promise in due time and he had a son named Isaac through whom the covenant was passed on to Jacob and Judah and Joseph and all of God's people. The second time is Moses. And we spent some time with Moses last week at the burning bush. And we're, we're still in that same story where God is telling Moses that he's going to go to the king of Egypt and tell him to let his people go out of slavery. And Moses doesn't feel like he has what he needs to accomplish God's will. He says, Lord, I, I don't talk good. I, I, I stutter. I have something wrong. I, I don't speak very well. And you know what the Lord says? Okay, you have a brother. His name is Aaron. He's going to speak for you. Now go do what I say. The Lord provides everything that you need. The, the third instance is in uh, Judges chapter 6 with uh, Gideon. And the Lord shows up and, and tells Gideon, who he's raising up to be a judge, you are a mighty warrior of Israel. And Gideon says, I uh, appreciate that, Lord, but I'm actually pretty weak, and, and my house is the weakest of all the tribes of Israel, so why are you coming to me? And the Lord says, I will be with you. And he is, and the Lord gives Gideon a great victory over their enemies, the Midianites, because the Lord owns everything that you have. He rules everything that is, and he will give you everything that you need. Because God is Adonai, he was able to provide a son for Abraham, a spokesman for Moses, and a sign for Gideon. And like these men, we are quick to call God the Lord. We're quick to, to call God the Lord, but we doubt his provision for us. And we'll talk more about this when we get to the name Yahweh Yura, the Lord who provides. But for today, I just, I just want to ask you, what do you need? Where are you doubting Adonai's provision? And what would faith expect? What is it that you most need right now? Where is it that you are doubting Adonai's provision? And what would faith expect of Adonai. Genesis 15, 6 tells us that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. What are you trusting God for today? What are you believing on God for? Adonai rules everything that is. Adonai owns everything you have. Adonai provides everything that you need. And lastly, Adonai demands everything you are. Adonai demands everything you are. In the New Testament, the Greek word for Adonai is kurios. And just like Adonai, it is translated Lord. And in the New Testament, we find that this name kurios, Adonai, Lord, is applied over and over again to the eternal Son of God who became human, who lived and died and rose again so that we could be forgiven of our sins, reconciled to God, adopted into his family, and have eternal life. What's his name? His name is Jesus. And in Matthew's account of Jesus' ministry, he records Jesus saying this. This is in chapter 7, verses 21 through 22 of Matthew. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, Adonai, Adonai, Kurios, Kurios, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? 
And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Charles Spurgeon, in speaking about this passage, he wrote this, One of the best tests by which we try many things is to ask, how will they appear at the day of judgment? I pray, dear friends, that we, each one of us, may begin to set in, in the light of that day the things we most prize. The riches upon which you have set your heart, how will their value be reckoned in that day? And how much comfort will they afford you then? As for the way you've been spending your money, will that be such as you will remember in that day with satisfaction and comfort? And as to the pursuits which you you so eagerly follow, which now appear so important to you that they engross the whole of your thoughts and arouse all of your faculties and energies, are they worth all of this effort? Will they seem to be so in that day? I know that I'm inviting you to think of something you do not wish to have brought to your mind. The world plucks you by the sleeve and says, come away. But I would detain you for a little while to talk to you about your immortal soul and to stir you up to see its future destiny lest Christ should come and you should be unprepared for his coming. The people who on that day will say, Lord, Lord, but whom Christ will dismiss. They're obviously pretty religious. They prophesied in Jesus' name. Have you ever done that? Have you ever cast out any demons? Have you done what you would consider mighty works in the name of Christ? I haven't done any of that either. It kind of makes you wonder if if those people don't make the cut, (laughs) what chance do we have? But brothers and sisters, our salvation is not a result of what we do. It is by grace, pure grace, free gift, through faith, not a result of works so that no one may boast before God. We don't make the cut by doing or not doing, but by trusting in Jesus and what he has already done for us. The people who call Jesus Lord, Lord, kurios, kurios, Adonai, Adonai, they don't actually mean it because they are counting on and consumed with what they have done for God rather than who Christ is for them. Did we not? Did we not? Did we not? They trust themselves, not Jesus. So consequently, they offer only their religious lives to Christ. I feel like this is, this is pretty relevant for us right now. And, and I just, I want us to see this. Jesus is a Lord of them when they are at church and when they are busy doing things to serve God. But he is not Lord of their lives to whom they surrender all. These people who say, Lord, Lord, did we not? Did we not? Did we not? They count the Lord as Lord when they're at church and when they're doing religious things. He is not Lord of their whole life to whom they surrender all of their lives. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Adonai, 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Adonai demands everything that you are, your heart, your mouth, your life. Calling Jesus Lord is total surrender. It is a bowing of your knee, but also of your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength to Christ. It is a bowing of everything that you are, not because you're obligated, but because he is worth it. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him, and given him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The truth is is that every single person who has ever lived or will ever live will bow the knee to Adonai. It is inevitable. The question is, will you bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Kurios, to Adonai? Will you bow the knee today? Or will you only bow the knee in that day? In which you will hear, depart from me, for I never knew you, you worker of lawlessness. If you bow today, recognizing that Adonai rules everything that is, owns everything that you have, provides everything that you need, and demands everything that you are, on that day, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter my rest. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time together in your word. You are the Lord. You are Adonai. Lord, give us a vision for you that encompasses this reality that you rule all things and you do them for you you rule them for your glory and for our good lord help us to believe that and to trust you and to surrender everything that we are and everything that we have and every decision that needs to be made and all of the struggles that we suffer and endure to you we believe that you will provide everything that we need we believe or that you are worth everything that we are and so lord let us not hold back Help us not to hold back from you, but to give it all to you, Lord. Help us to say with the hymn writer, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. And Lord, in that day, may we be found good and faithful servants who look not to ourselves, but to Christ alone for salvation and live in this world with Christ as Lord. And we ask these things in his mighty name. Amen.